That's a huge blessing to be able to see that. That's awesome. Uh, and we definitely need to be praying over those boxes, especially some of the contents now of at least a couple of them, making sure that they are still intact. Uh, but yeah, um, uh, open up, if you will, to uh, Ephesians chapter 4. And we're going to be looking in this chapter a little bit this morning. But uh, again, just to kind of uh, reiterate a little bit what I said last week, uh, please know, and, and this is my heart, and I fully recognize this, uh, I am not the preacher, um, I'm not the pastor, I am just a pastor. Uh, regardless of what specific role I have been called here, outside of whatever area I serve in any specific church, God has called me to be a pastor. I just so happen to work with teenagers pri- primarily, uh, but part of my job is to, just to help shepherd, and that's all I'm trying to do, trust me. Um, but if I can do that just a little bit this morning, then, uh, then praise God for that. Uh, but that's, that's, just, that's just my heart. But just to kind of recap a little bit of what we talked about last week, real, real quickly, uh, we looked at Matthew chapter 16. Uh, it's going to be up there on, on the screen. Uh, just, and again, this was kind of like the, that one main verse that we kind of looked at. It says, I tell you the truth that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And we talked about this thing called church and what that really looks like. And what that actually really means at just the very heart. We're not going to be specific. We're not throwing out uh, any kind of vision, anything like that. Uh, but just the basic mission of what the church is all, all about. And it says in the gates of Hades or the gates of hell will not, will not overcome it. And so we looked at this word called ecclesia, uh, which means gathering, assembly for a purpose. And we realize that, that that does not mean physical building. That means people. He's come to build up a people. And if he's going to do that, he calls us to be a part of that mission and that vision. And so we looked at last week just these four quick points in case you missed it um, or in case you're like me, you have short-term memory problems. But basically, how do we fulfill the mission? We have to be the church. In order for us to do it, we have to recognize we are that, that, that church. Again, it's not a physical building, it's a people. So we have to be that people. We have to recognize that. We have to help build the church, that we are involved in that. He's called us to that, to be a part of that process. And then also to keep unity around the message and the mission, because there's so many things we can be unified around, but if it's not around the message and the mission, we will lose focus, we will lose heart, and it's way easier for then, number four, the real enemy to come in and to separate us and to divide us. And so we've got to stay unified around those things that really matter. So we talked about all that and even a little bit about belly buttons last week. If you, don't, if you weren't here, you have no idea what I'm talking about. It's okay. Um, it's totally fine. That's an inside joke. Just go back and maybe listen or something like that. But, but we talked about that and, 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 and what that really means. And so whenever I was praying about what to to preach this week, I, I went back to that Matthew 16 uh, passage there in verse, verse 18, and I looked at it again, and it said, what, what else is, is kind of there? And I hinted at this last week, but, but what he says, he says, I will build my church. And so I looked at this word, build. What exactly does that mean? Because we have a lot of ideas about what that, what that means. And part of that uh, does mean kind of what initially comes to our mind, but the actual Greek word there, again, another kind of Greek lesson, some of y'all are like, oh, this is so boring, thank you for sharing that, uh, but this, it's important for us to know, because again, the Greek language is way more specific 
than what our English language is. And there's not a whole lot of, of, of you know, differing over what, what does this mean in the Greek language versus, you know, like the English stuff where it can mean so many things, right? But it's, it's uh, this Greek word, akordomeo, which means to build or to build up. Initially, what we kind of think, which is where we get build. But it also means to promote Christian growth or maturity. So it does indicate in every single sense of the word. It's not one or the other. It's actually both. It does talk about growth. It does talk about expanding. It does talk about getting bigger. That's part of of the thing. You cannot get away from that. And that's what Jesus said he wanted to do. And we looked at Acts last week, right, where we saw all those passages of Scripture where he talked about the church growing. That's what he's about because it's not about getting numbers. It's about getting people out of hell. And the more people are in his kingdom, that's the less people who are condemned to hell. So that's what he cares about, okay? It has nothing to do with making our roles bigger or, or our pride or anything like that. It's about making sure we're being a part of his mission. More people in his kingdom, less people going to hell. But it also, there is that, that, that other side. It's not quantity or quality, it's both. Where he says, also, you also be building yourself up. It's like that, that teenager who grows super, super fast. You ever seen them? Like at the beginning of the summer, you know, they look one way and they're kind of shorter, you know, maybe a little softer. And then all of a sudden, then they come back at the end of the summer, they're like six inches taller and gangly. And, you know, they got zits all over their face. And, you know, and they don't know what to do with their body. And it's like all kind of weird kind of, you know, and, and everything. It's because it's so much growth, but not a whole lot of strength has developed. That maturity is kind of like that, that thing of what he's kind of looking at. And so whenever we look at this thing called Bill, that's what I want us to kind of focus on. But there's something that, that, that we need to know, and it's this first point. It's inside your hand out there. If you want to go ahead and, and fill this in, it's this first point is this, that we aren't just called to grow the church, but we are also called to mature the church. And again, because we're talking about people, right? We're not talking about places. We're not talking about buildings. If we're going to be maturing the church, that means we have to look at our spiritual maturity and where we are or maybe where we need to be or where we're lacking or where we struggle at and being honest with that. Because maturity is not just about the outward. That's just growth, right? That's also the stuff that we can fake. It's like, oh, well, you know, he dresses a certain way. I guess he's, he's maturing. No, he just learned how to look good on the outside. That's, that's all it is. It has nothing to do with it. Oh, well, they, you know, finally learned how to hold down a job, and they, you know, finally learned how to do this. And, and maybe that's part of the maturity process, right? Like, like, that is part of it. But it's so easy to have all that outward stuff completely right, but then inwardly, we're still just as mature or immature as we were before. We're still making the same decisions, maybe based on emotions more than what we actually should, more upon what we actually really want versus what is actually really needed. And we kind of get self-centered and all this, and you're like, oh, well, that's only what children do. No, right? Like, well, we all know. Adults, we make those same decisions based on the same things. That's why we buy the houses that we buy whenever we maybe shouldn't have bought it. While we buy the vehicles that we buy, and we maybe shouldn't have bought it, right? We, we impulse, all the kind of stuff. Even we as adults... You go to the fridge to get some kind of healthy snack. But right beside it is the freezer. And in the freezer is the ice cream. And ice cream is delicious and is so much better tasting than all that other stuff, right? You say maturity would say, I know what I need. But we say, but I know what I want. 
and what tastes better, right? And so we, 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 we do that. We're, we're just as impulsive. We just get the, the facade of looking mature, you know, on the outside. And God's like, no, you're still a child. And God says, actually, you're my child. And we all have areas of maturity. And so thinking about that, and after doing some, some a hard search on that same Greek word to build, to build up, to mature, to grow, to mature, I came across Ephesians chapter 4. And we're going to look first at just these first two verses, and then we're going to work through down through verse 16 just a little bit at a time. But let's go and open up with, with this. He says, and he gave some, uh, or he gave the apostles, he gave the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. All right, let's go and pause right there just for a second. Let's have a word of prayer and prepare ourselves to be open to God's word. Heavenly Father, thank you, God for your word. Thank you, God, so much for what you have called us to, to be a part of this great work of building up your body, but we also need to make sure that we are ready for it internally. So God, help us to look honestly at our hearts, uh, not just this morning, but throughout our, our whole lives. It's, a, it's always been a process for us. So God, right now we pray this morning, you just help us to open ourselves up to your word, of what you want to say to us so that we can leave changed. We love you. We give this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so Ephesians chapter 4. So basically whenever we look at this thing, and, and whenever I read that, that verse, and what's awesome is that this actually overflows to exactly what Mr. Tom read last Sunday, talking about the unity and the fact that there is one faith that unites all of us. And, and I love that. And so that brought me back to it as well. But then to look and to see that word building up, it actually comes up uh, several times throughout this chapter. That same Greek word. It keeps coming up. But through that is this filter of maturity. And so in doing that and looking at that, and looking at these passages that we're going to look at, I was able to kind of see, it's like, man, there are some essential building blocks, if you will, that we need to have as a church always. You know, especially us now, because we're going through so much transition, so much change in such a little time, and, and good or bad, all, all the stuff through, throughout all of our lives, right? Like change comes and goes, and, and even the change that, that, that we want and that we're ready for still requires a level of maturity in our hearts to, to work through it, right? Like, you know, like, like I've got a senior in high school who's getting ready to go to college. That's a good thing. You know, because she's going to start making decisions. She's going to start doing good stuff and, and being a little bit more mature and making adult decisions. And that's so good. And she's going to be out of my house more. It's going to be such a blessing. It's going to be so, so great. It's going to be so awesome. But even as good as all that stuff is, it's still going to be an adjustment, right? There's still going to be things I'm going to have to work through that Beth and I both are going to have to work through. That, you know, the, the other daughters are, are going to have to work through. It's, it's a part of it, right? There's, there, there's this thing. But we have to make sure that we have in place, whenever those changes come, whenever those transitional things come, that we have the building blocks in our lives, that we are actually able to build upon those things instead of it all just falling apart. Right? And so in that, let's just go and just look at some of the building blocks that we have in the church. And based on those first couple, couple of verses, uh, point, point number one, we'll get to at the end of the message. You're like, oh, there's no, 
there's no filled in blanks there. And you type A people, this, you're really bothered right now, aren't you? Right? You're like, I've got to have those, those blanks filled in. Okay, I promise we will come back to it. That was not a mistake. I didn't mess up, even though I'm perfect, perfectly capable, right? Uh, the tech team did not mess up. We're coming back to that at, at the end because it ties in really well at the end. So we'll come back to verses 11 and 12 at, at the end. But let's go and look at verse 13. It says, Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And as you guys see, there are several building blocks that I have here. And trust me, I know there's several. That doesn't mean that the message is going to be like 55 minutes long. I promise you, okay, we're not, I'm not, you know, going David Platt on you. We're, I'm going to get you out here at a, at a decent time. I know some of y'all got to go to Bubba Annie's and all that kind of stuff afterwards. All right. But, uh, but one of the first things that we see, obviously, from, from this verse, what's called out, and, and it's an echo of what we talked about last week, is this. Number two, one of the building blocks that, that we need and need to understand this, and again, this is understanding that maturity means unity. And what we talked about last week, again, you know, like, like there's so many opinions about the way things ought to be and the way things ought to look and the way the preacher ought to preach and the way, you know, the kids' ministry ought to be done and the way that this building ought, ought to look and the carpet in it and, and all this stuff. There's lots of opinions but if it's outside of the counsel of God's word, if it's outside of God's word itself and does not contradict what God's word says, it's up to human opinion. It doesn't mean that there's still not a right or wrong, right? But if it's not called out specifically in scripture, then we've got to just go to our, our human hearts in, in guidance and prayer and say, God, lead us in this because we don't have a specific word about the color of the carpet in the Bible, Right? There's just things that, that, that we've got to look at. We, we have to kind of come down to that. So it's not about being unity over there. We can be unified about a lot of things, can't we? About a lot of things that just don't matter. We just had political voting this past week, right? Lots of unity and also lots of disunity. Lots of things to talk about. Lots of things to argue about. Praise God. The commercials are over, right? Like, you know, we don't have to listen to those things. we still got a little bit of time until the next one. I think we can all agree on that, right? Because we're all unified in that. We're all tired of the commercials, even of the guy that, you know, we did vote for. Like, just stop it, okay? All right, quit interrupting my shows. Stop it. And, and, and even though we can be unified about that, that's not the main thing. The unity is found in Christ. That's what that verse says. It says, unity of the faith in Christ Jesus. That's where we find our unity. And if that's not the preeminent thing that we find unity, then we're unified around the wrong things. Then we were way more able for that building that we're building, that thing that we're trying to grow, that thing that we're trying to establish that should have not just a firm foundation, but a firm wall and a firm ceiling is going to be way more likely to crumble because we're missing an essential building block. Unity, but unity also around the right thing. And also verse 14 says this, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitfulness and schemes. And so, again, talking about you know, this thing, this building blocks that we need, the third thing that, that, that we see that we need to recognize is that immaturity, number three, immaturity creates chaos. 
Immaturity creates chaos. Have you ever seen a child react to something that they don't like? You ever been to Walmart? Yeah, yeah, like it's, it, it definitely comes out. You know, whenever they're, like, you ever wonder if a kid's not happy? You ever, you ever wonder about that? Like, you just know. It's like, yep, yep, they're, they're in a bad mood. They have no filter. Like, they're just going to let it all out, buddy. They don't care about, you know, well, I'm in the middle of Walmart, and people are looking at me, and, you know, you might get embarrassed, mom, dad, you know, or anything. They don't care, right? Like, they're going to do it right then. And, and some of y'all are in complete denial because you're like, oh, not my sweet angel. Just, just, just disappoint them just one time. It's coming, okay? All right? You're, you're too young, okay? I promise you. Because it doesn't change. Like, like it's, it's, it's just obvious. And knowing that, does it ever solve anything? Like that, that fit that they just pitched right there in the middle of the store, in the middle of the restaurant, in the middle of the line that you're like, like we're all trying to just keep, just keep orderly and everything like that. They don't care where they are, do they? And it never solves anything, does it? And yet, sometimes, even we as adults... Learned people with educations and degrees and jobs that people pay us for can make some of the silliest decisions, can act in some of the silliest ways. We let our tempers, we let all kinds of things come up and rule us in those moments. And where maturity should come in, where maturity should be at play, our mouths get in our way, our emotions get in our way. The way that, that we should act in order a way to actually honor God is to take a breather. That's why the Bible says that we should be slow to speak and quick to listen. And yet we are so quick to speak and slow to listen. We're just waiting for them to, to shut up so we can interject our point because, because we already know the right answer, right? Like that's the way that we operate so many times whenever we're divided o- over things. And, and listen, I'm not saying that it's not hard because it, does, it is hard, isn't it? It's so hard whenever those moments come, especially over, over matters that really do matter, right? Like things that come up that really, it's like this is an important decision. This is an important thing. This is an important thing going on in our lives, in our, in, in our family. It's an important thing that's going on in the life of our church. And we should have a strong opinion and a strong direction and, and all this stuff, right? But that doesn't mean that we should have strong reactions, That's totally different. Maturity, again, is not just some external thing. It's also learning how to apply the internal principles that God has for us in our lives. That's what maturity is. In fact, that was so good, I should have a slide about that. Okay, it's not not up there. Okay, you know, but we do have this. How we handle adversity shows not only our unity, but also our maturity. How we handle the things that come into our lives not only speak to our unity as a people, to our mindset as an individual, but also to where we are in Christ and our spiritual maturity. And again, I'm not talking about being able to, to, to speak our opinions and, and to be able to share things and to be able to even maybe disagree on, on, on some things. That's a good, healthy thing, right? If everybody's just walking around trying to agree with everybody, it's like, well, I don't know what I think. What do you think? You know, it's like, well, I don't know what you think. What do you think? It's like trying to decide where to go to lunch, right? You ever been in that circle of chaos, you know? Like, it just, it just, it just comes like, well, where do you want to go to lunch? I don't know. Where do, where do you want to go eat? And one of you has an idea. You're just afraid to say it because you know that the person you're talking to is going to shoot it down. It happens to me every Sunday, okay? All right? I'm not bitter. 
I'm just saying, okay? It just happens. Okay, maybe I am a little bitter. Okay, but anyway, it's just a part of that struggle. It's a part of that, of that kind of thing. And whenever we don't realize that, like, like this is how I should act, regardless of what I, the way I want to act or how I want to just react, it never helps anything, and it creates chaos. Being tossed to and fro, being blown by every single thing, every single whim within me, every single thing that's outside of me. But no, if, if we're unified in the right thing, if we also understand what mat- godly maturity really looks like, there's going to be way less chaos. But otherwise, regardless of where we react well to adversity or don't react well, it speaks volumes to where we are in Jesus. And not just as individuals, but even as a congregation, as a church. All right? But then, let's go and look at verse 15 here. It says, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, that is, into Christ. And this is a very familiar verse, like, like, like we talk about this, speaking truth and love and what that really kind of looks like. But the very simple building block that we need to recognize and hold on to in this time is this, is that speaking truth must be done in love. Number four, speaking truth must be done in love. And this is extremely important for us to remember. Right? Because sometimes we know what truth is. Or rather, I should say, sometimes we think we know what truth is. Sometimes we know what our truth is. In other words, our opinion is. And it's real easy to be like, well, I'm just going to speak it because that's, what, that's the honest thing. I'm, I'm just being honest. Yeah, but are you being loving? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm just being honest, but yet are you being godly? I'm just being honest. Is it helpful? Well, I just want to go ahead and be, be, be honest. At least you know what's on my mind. Yeah, but it's really hard to have a good relationship with you whenever you keep just emoting that opinion out of anger or out of emotion. You know, like I'm just going to set them all straight. I'm just going to set them all straight. You ever had that, 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 that thought? I can't, I can't wait to have that conversation with that person. I'm just going to tell them like it is and how it is. And we get this very prideful sense about us, and it's so easy just to just drop that stuff on people. And we understand, well, that, even if what we say really is true, but was it done in love? Was it out of a heart of love that had anything to do with love? Because whenever we look at it, again, it's what motivates us in speaking that truth. To set people straight, again, doesn't help anything. Anyone can speak truth, but love requires maturity otherwise we're just that child that's just like you ever heard heard a child just say something that they shouldn't say you ever heard the phrase kids say the darndest things right and they do and sometimes it's cute whenever they're little but when an adult says those same things you're like you should know better right like even if it's true you've got a big head sir you know like like a little kid can get away with that an adult shouldn't be saying that, right? There should be a filter. So that's not very loving. But we do it with our relationships. We do it even sometimes inside the church walls, in meetings, in face-to-face conversations, or avoiding face-to-face conversations. 
So it needs to be done in love again. And again, let's go and look back at verse 15. It says, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, that is, into Christ. And so again, not just truth in love, but also understanding this. Number five, maturity means looking like Jesus in every way. In other words, there is nothing in your heart, in my heart, in, in, in our lives, collectively or as individuals, that's off limits to Jesus. You know that, right? He wants to be our Lord. Somebody cannot be our Lord. In other words, somebody who's in charge of, of our lives and our hearts if they only have part of us. That's not surrender. You know that, right? Like if, if an enemy comes in to take over you know, another army or something like that, and that one army surrenders, but they say, oh, but we're only going to be surrendered to you Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. But you can have us on Sunday and Wednesday. Yeah, okay, that's good. Oh, uh, but only Sundays and Wednesdays from 9.30 to about 12-ish, depending on how long the sermon goes. Uh, and then maybe again on s- Sunday nights, because I do help with Awana. And then, and then again, on, you, know, like, you know how silly that, that sounds? That's not surrender, is it? That's not, that's not surrender. Surrender means you've got me. No matter what I have, no matter what I am, you're in control. It might, I might not like it. I might fight you on it. I might kick and scream. I might act like a child. But you're in control. And nothing is off limits. Everything in my life. And yet, sometimes we try to pick and choose, and maybe sometimes we use excuses. We're like, well, you know, God, you can have you know, this relationship and this relationship, but you can't have that relationship because they know what they did. And they need to come to me first if I'm going to forgive, right? And God's like, no, that's not how surrender works. God, you know, you can have this area of my attitude and that area of my, my attitude, but anger, well, that's just how people know what's on my mind and plus I'm I'm a redhead and I'm Irish and I just come from a fiery family and that's just how we just communicate it's just being real loud and getting real 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 mad but then we really forgive afterwards it's like well okay well you forgave afterwards sure but you did a whole lot of damage in those moments at that time we have sometimes a propensity to certain kinds of sins right like some people struggle with one thing versus another, right? And we're a little more prone to certain things that other people aren't, aren't prone to. But none of, those, none of those are excuses to hold back from what we need to give over to Jesus. It just means that we need to recognize where we struggle more versus others and say, God, I struggle more in this area. I tend to fall back into sin a little bit more in this area. And it's all yours. That's what Christian maturity is. It's not saying I've got every area completely covered. I'm perfectly perfect in every way. No, it's just saying I'm working on every area and I'm giving you every area in every way. And you're maturing me one step at a time in every way. And so, again, nothing is off off limits and taking all excuses off the table. But then verse 16, we kind of jump in there says, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow 
so that it builds, there's that word again, itself up in love. And so this is kind of like a, a, a two-parter, okay? But, and you might want to write small, but the first part is, is this. First of all, a mature body means its parts knows their job, right? So like in a practical way, just in, in like an everyday way, like if my arm tries to start acting like my knee, how well is that going to go, right? You know, like my knee knows its job, knows its function. It doesn't always function well, you know, and I've got to watch stuff, you know, I'm not, I'm not young anymore, you know, but, but basically if my knee starts trying to act like my forehead or, you know, something weird, like it's just like, that doesn't make any sense, right? If my eye tries to start listening, like that's kind of messed up. It's not, it's not going to go over well. And that's kind of like the picture here, as silly as, as it sounds and as goofy and, and as it sounds, whenever one thing starts trying to do another thing's job, that's not working properly. Or whenever one thing says, I'm not going to do my job, that's not going to go well either, right? If my leg all of a sudden, like the rest of my body, totally fine, we're going to walk across this, the, this stage, but my right leg says, nope, not today. How well do you think I'm going to move across the stage? I would physically show you what it would look like, but I might not be able to get up, okay? All right? You know, and, and it, it would just wouldn't go well. And so we, we know that in theory, but then there's the other part of it, and maybe you want to write this in over or something like that. Essentially, this is what the verse is really trying to say. Is, again, number six, a church, a mature church, means all its people know their job. In other words, you are growing in Christ, and it doesn't necessarily mean that, that you completely know every single little area. It just means that you understand that I need to figure this out. And so you know what? I might be good with working with children. So I'm going to try that out. I'm going to give it a little test drive. You can go to Jordan and just say, hey, I want to try to help out with the kids. I don't know if I'm going to be good at it, but I'm going to try to get plugged in to this area. You've, you Get plugged in, you find out not only do you love kids, but you're actually kind of good at it, and you're getting better at it every single week, then you know, that's my function. That's my job. I can bless kids in Jesus' name. I can help lead them in their, in their young little walks in their relationship with, with God. God can use me in that, in that manner. Or maybe it's you know, students or something like that. But also through that process too, and this is not a bad thing, and I think there's too much of this kind of like blanket statement where it just says, well, you know, that this statement of saying that's not my job is like a bad thing. Now, it can be if your attitude is I don't want to do it and I'm just being lazy. Like that's bad. That's not helpful, right? Whenever you say that's not my, my job and you just don't want to help out, you don't want to serve, that's a bad attitude. You know, because then you're also saying there are some things maybe that's even beneath me. I'm not going to help pick up garbage here. That's somebody else's job. That's not my job. That kind of attitude gets us nowhere, right? But then there's also knowing this as well. I stink at working with children. Kids don't like me, and I don't like kids. Maybe I shouldn't be working with kids. Well, somebody is needed back there in, in the kids' area. Somebody's got to do it, and you've got the time. Somebody else needs to, because I'm going to ruin that ministry. I don't need to be back there. It doesn't matter how desperate they are. They're not, they're not this desperate, right? Like, if we recognize that, then we understand that's not my job either. Music, 
I recognized a long time ago, not my job. Not my job. And you are blessed now this morning because of that realization that I've got in my heart. Otherwise, it'd be a really rough morning, okay? Thankfully, we've got people like, like Tony and, and people who can, who can step in and, and can do that kind of stuff because you know, not only do they have the just natural skill to it, they also have the desire and the love to lead people in worship. I like to see worship. I love to engage in worship. I stink at leading it. And it's okay for me to say, you know what? That's not my job. I don't need to step in there. That would be a disaster. But a mature body works through those things, has that kind of thought, and makes sure that we are doing the things, not only that just need to get done, but also the things that should be done by each individual. If you say, well, you know, we just, we don't have, you know, or you're not that person, well, let's go find that person that needs to get plugged in to that role, to that position. Let's go work on that together, and let's be open to it. But then, we also see, again, talking about uh, this, this thing in verse 16, looking back at it again. It says, each part works properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. In the last point, not really the last point, because we're going to come back to the first point, remember, because I remembered. But number seven is this. It's very simple. Maturity means growth in love. You know, it's, it's more than just a program thing. It's not something that, you know, that we're just forcing ourselves to do. But, you know, growth based on what love actually is. So if we're growing, we're maturing, we're strengthening the church, that means whenever we look at it, we look at it through love. That's love for God, first of all, but also love for people, second of all. Understanding that God is preeminence, our love for him, this is why we're doing this. Love for the gospel, that's why we're doing this. Love for putting him at the center of our lives and our church and everything, that's at the center of it. But then above that, I'm not at the center of it. It's love for people next. I care more about the souls of the people who are around me than I care about myself. It doesn't mean that I don't care about myself. It just means that I'm putting them before myself. Yes, I'm worried about whether or not I'm dealing with all the junk in my life, but I'm cared way more about their condition and whether or not they're being blessed and they're being reached and they're being, you know, met, their needs being met first before I worry about my needs. It's all in love. Because what, what do you read in 1 Corinthians 13? Love is selfish. Love makes sure that they're taken care of first. No, what, what does it say? Love is patient. Love is kind does not envy, does not boast, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking. We read all these things about love, and we're like, well, you know, that, that's just good for just individual relationships. No, even whenever it comes to a church body, whenever how church ought to operate, that's our posture. That's the filter that runs through this whole thing. Love for God, love for people above ourselves. And then we do care also about where we are as individuals and then our needs as, as well because we are people and we need that. But I'm going to put God and other people first. But then, thinking about all of that and filtering all of that, come back to verses 11 and 12. It says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up 
of the body of Christ. We're going to leave that up there just for a second. So we see kind of some, some things that are going on and what uh, uh, Paul is really trying to push for is the understanding of kind of how this is really working, how this church is actually being built. The first two things that he mentions there, he gave the apostles and the prophets. Essentially what that comes down to is understanding this, that is like the foundation of the church. That goes back to the Old Testament, to the prophets, to the people that help establish it, also to you know, the, the people that help you know, lay the groundwork before the apostles, the people who actually helped begin the church that God initiated. Those kind of things did not carry on. Why? Because it's already established. So those jobs don't just keep going, but that's what he gave in order to get this whole thing started. That's why you and I are here today. It's because of the work that the apostles and the prophets did before us. But then we also see the, the evangelists. Essentially, that's the extension of the church. That's basically the missionaries, the church planters. That was very much um, you know, the, the heart of the Apostle Paul and other people who helped not just get that church thing going, but helped start new churches, spread the word of God, and helped it to get throughout the entire world in his day, but also to make sure it would continue even whenever he was gone. The heart of an evangelist. But then there's also the shepherds and teachers, also known as the pastors and teachers. And the way that this is given to us, the way that even the words are given, you can even see the way that it's kind of broken up there. A lot of times, a lot of Bible scholars think those two things are merged together. It's a singular job, but with two different functions. There's the shepherd, the pastor, but then also there's the teacher and the preacher. And those two things go together. You can even say that they're separate, but either way, that's right now the continuation of the church. That's who helps to make sure that the church growth is actually happening. Who is actually placed to be in the head, the shepherd, over the people. He's not the shepherd, he's an under-shepherd. A lot of times we, we try to clarify that. Who's, who's the good shepherd? Who's, who's the good shepherd? Jesus, that's right, church answer. Come on, five-year-olds know, know that, all right? Jesus, you know, they say it every single time, right? Even if it's wrong, you know? Why is the sky blue? Jesus, okay, okay, well, maybe, all right? You know, they just throw it out there. So who's the good shepherd? Jesus, he's the one who's in charge. But who's his under-shepherds? What did he say to the apostles? What did he say to Peter whenever he forgave him? Whenever he reestablished him? Feed my sheep. Be a shepherd. And so there's lots, lots of stuff to kind of think about with this idea. But number one is this, a mature church has equipped people. Because what are their roles? To equip the saints for the work of ministry. It doesn't mean that they aren't involved in the ministry. It just means that their primary role is to make sure that people are equipped for the work of the ministry. Few are called to be pastors. Every follower of Jesus is called to be a minister. Every single one of us in this room is called to help be involved in ministry. That's your job. No, that's our job. That's everybody's job. Everybody's job, including mine. There's a famous author named Mark Batterson. He says this, Most Christians are educated way beyond their level of obedience already. We don't need to know more. We need to do more. And what I mean by that is, you guys have already been equipped to do the work of ministry. Oh, well, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do that. Yes, you have. 
I know that for a fact. If you've been in church longer than like, you know, two weeks, you've heard sermons, you've already heard how to evangelize, you've already been told the most important things of what you need to share, you might not know every single theological word, you might not have every single thing memorized, right, within, within the Bible. You know the good news of Jesus, what it's done in your life, and that's all you need in order to go share. You've already been shown time and time and time again, this is how ministry needs to operate. This is the primary focus, and this is what we need to all be about. Oh, but no, we, we need a pastor to be involved in that. It's not really ministry unless the pastor's involved. If, it, if it's only the pastor involved, if it's only the pastor doing it, it's not ministry. That's a hireling doing something that he's being paid for. But whenever we understand it's our jobs, all of ours, that's where the church gets built up. Because that's all of us being a part of that together. That's an essential building block. And without that, a pastor, a personality, a charismatic individual might be able to help bring a little bit of something for a little bit of while, but there's nothing that's going to be built that's going to last. And all it's going to take is a little bit of adversity. All it's going to take is a little bit of something to come along, and all of a sudden that building just starts to crumble because it's all built on just one individual. So, again, that's worst-case scenario, but we know and we understand what is this church specifically, this church, Five Forks Baptist Church, not the church collective, but what is this church built on? Obviously, I think we, we know and we understand it's Jesus, right? He is who this church is built on. He is our Lord, not a person, not a certain individual, not a certain staff member, but it's us doing this thing together, doing the work together, being a mature church, being a part of the equipped people for the work of the ministry. So, with that in mind, I go and throw up the next slide. What do you see here? What's the first thing that comes to your mind? Besides, like, that initial, like, worst foot pain you've ever felt in your life whenever you step on it, right? It's Legos. Legos. Building blocks. It's a Lego set. And I, I, I actually still, I'm going to go and be, be honest, I still love playing with Legos. I think Legos are the coolest things ever. I'm sorry. I'm just a big, big kid. I don't care. I think that they are so awesome. And I've got a couple sets that I've kind of put together and I've, I've kind of built. And, and, I, and I remember this as, as, as a kid, whenever I'd have a certain thing and I'd, I'd build that one thing. I used to have like, like the technical Legos where you could build like several things with it and then you could take it all apart and build it back together. And I remember I would like build something and it'd be really cool. It'd be the coolest thing that I thought, you know, in the book. Because like in the book, you had like five different things you could build with it. I'd find the coolest thing, I'd build that first. So I'd put it together, then I'd take it apart, then, you know, I'd build the other thing. And then I'd be like, you know what, I want to build that first thing again. And I'd start building it, start putting it back together. And I'm like, where'd, where'd that one piece go? I'm looking under the bed. I'm looking, you know, like it's like under, under my pillow you know, or something like that. Uh, I accidentally carried it off. I stepped on it on my foot and carried it across the floor like 18 feet away, you know, kind of thing. Like what, whatever it is, it's, it's hard to keep up with something whenever it falls apart. It's harder to build it back again whenever it wasn't stable to, to begin with. And the more that things fall apart, the harder it is to put all the pieces back together the way that it should be. Falling apart is part of humanity. We fall apart sometimes, don't we? But do, do we have all the pieces to put it back together? And so that's, that's the question that I want to leave, leave you with is this. Go ahead. 
Do we have the building blocks to grow this church? Well, the first thing is, if not, then what do we need to get them? Personally, I don't see why in the world we can't. You know, but if those building blocks aren't actually in place, let's go look under the couches. Let's go look in between the couch cushions. Let's go lift some stuff up. Let's find them because they're here somewhere. But if so, then what's holding us back? That's a rhetorical question. Absolutely nothing. Unless we've got to work on some maturity. As individuals, am I ready to help build this? Well, maybe there's some things I need to get right in my heart. Are you ready to help build this? Well, we've got to wait for this and we've got to wait for that. No, we don't. What's holding us back? Nothing. Maybe that extra piece will help, but there's nothing holding us back. Maybe that missing piece it would be integral to help propel it even farther, but right now, let's build what we can. Let's keep this thing going. There's nothing holding us back. So with that in mind, I just want to ask you this question. Are you an integral part of the building blocks of this church? Are you making sure that your, your heart is where it needs to be to be not only part of just the building, not just part of the growth, but also part of the maturity of what this church really needs? Because right now, we really need you. We've got to have everybody, as much as we possibly can, at least working on ourselves, even if you're not there yet, because none of us are, right? Like any pastor that gets up and tells you they've got it all together, that's a liar. You need to quit listening to that guy. If he's always the hero of every single message and every single illustration that he ever gives, you need to quit listening to that guy because he's selling you a bill of goods that's just not true. No pastor I've ever worked with, served with, some of the most godly men in the world, they still have some ways to go. Everyone who's just honest, we've always got a ways to go. So what's, what's your next step? What do you need to work on to help make sure that this building and maturing keeps happening in our church and the work of God and the mission of God can continue. I want you to go ahead and stand up with me because I want us to be standing in this time. I'm going to pray, but I just want us to look at ourselves honestly and to say, God, where do I need to be in my level of maturity, in my spiritual walk with Jesus? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, God, so much for this day. Thank you, God, so much for the fact that you care for us on every single level. And God, not because you want to behavior modify everything, but because you want us to look more like your son, Jesus. And whenever we do that, our lives are more blessed. Our lives are more changed. The people around us are more blessed. But even more than that, God, your work in this church is more blessed. What you've got in store for Five Forks is more blessed. And God, we want to make sure we're a part of that blessing. So God, right now, I just pray you would work on our hearts as individuals right now. We can't make a, a change collectively. That's impossible. But we can start it individually and see how it affects everything as a group. And I pray this morning you would work on our hearts as individuals. God, work, move us to where you would have us to be so that we can be more and more a part of your work inside these walls and outside of these walls. God, help us to not hold back any of the building blocks. 
in our lives. And help us, God, to realize what it's all for. It's all for your mission and your message and what you want to do in and through this world because that's what we are called to do above all things. And with that, we seek unity. And God, we love you. We give this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. This altar is open for a time of prayer. I know there's a lot of stuff down here, but no better place to come than to give your heart to Jesus if you need to come to know him as Lord and Savior. I'd love to talk with you. If you need to make a decision for Christ, if you just need prayer, you don't even have to talk to me. You can just come forward and just pray. This altar is open. Let's go and take this time for him. Thank you.